Kowalski here. Uh, I am uh, your host for Cinema Fantastico podcast. Uh, this is the third installment. The first two were all about Star Wars, and who the hell knows, this might also be all about Star Wars, but actually it's not, but it might become that. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, right now, I have two of my uh, besties on the line in what we call a three-way call, uh, all the way from Sheboygan, Michigan, we got Eddie. Hi, Eddie. How you doing? Not too bad. How are you? Good. And then the other dork on the line <laughs> wants to be addressed as Haynes. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know him as Tim. Uh, uh, but we've known each other for, for, for what? Tw- 20? 20 years. Yeah, it probably. Well, yeah, it would be twenty years. Yep. The old uh, music tech days. Oh yeah. Sitting behind the consoles, mostly just wrapping cables and listening to people drone on about signal chains for yeah. hours and hours, and Try taking not to fall asleep in class, kind of thing. Correct. Well, yeah. yeah, and taking tests that were very esoteric that didn't really have concrete answers. Yes, agreed. <sighs> oh, audio school. I'm getting hyped. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm breaking out for some reason. Um, so why are you two here today? What, what um, are we talking about? We are here about? to talk about our new film, Crepitus. What is it? About? You want to explain uh, Crepitus, Eddie? Uh, sure. Uh, Crepitus is a horror film about an immortal creature whose immortality is dependent on its consumption of children. Oh, dear God. The film, the film centers around two kids, Julian and Eli, as they have just moved into their grandparents' house and start hearing strange noises in the wall, and they have to try to survive the next few nights. And you wrote this, right, Eddie? Were you, were you, were you the main um, I guess, uh, idea person for this? Well, we, when I say we, Haynes and I had sat down at a local restaurant in Sheboygan and decided that we wanted to write a film about a clown. And over the course of that meal, it evolved into quite a few other concepts and ideas. And over the next eight months, it kind of took a mind of its own and became something completely different than what we had originally planned. Mm-hmm. But the the main idea and concept uh, was Haynes's. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I just kind of said, hey, we should just do a movie with a clown in it. <laughs> people, people are scared of clowns. Let's do that. And, well, of course. And Eddie just kind of brought a whole life to it completely in, a, in, a, in an amazing and twisted direction. So well, I... How how do you two know each other? We went to the same school together. <laughs> right. The, the same like film school or like high no, school, like high junior school. high, grade school. Yeah, we grew up in the same town. Share yeah. the same diaper. I don't know. Like, how <laughs> far does this go back? Well, that came later. <laughs> that came later. Okay. It's like my safety diaper. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is that is that the sequel to this one? Is it going to be diapers? Yeah, diapers. Diapers. <laughs> D- Diapertus. <laughs> what a name for a horror film. We gotta <laughs> Oh no. This summer. <laughs> In a world. <laughs> In a world. Yeah. 
yeah, we uh, we actually, God, what, what would you say, Eddie? We worked on this for like two years. Um, just Something about like, like the, the 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 script itself took about eight months to write. That's right. Yeah, and I then, think the idea has uh, been flowing around for a while though. Sure. Right, right. And once once we got going, it took about eight months, and then after after that, the film was the script was pretty much written, but. Uh, Quite a few months up after that, you and I combed over it, and uh, it took us another couple of months to really uh, polish it Oh, yeah, it we up. just did all those rewrites, you know. Right. Just going through it and polishing it up. So what are you looking at as far as, excuse me, as far as uh, length-wise goes? Um, this will be, what, the script's 105 pages, so wow. in general, 105 minutes, kind of give or take. So, oh, that's, right. Yeah, that's a that's a good amount because um, I just remember I think the last thing that I got from you, Haynes, is the uh, uh, the DVD with um, what well, had uh, weight on it. Yeah, oh and yeah, a couple other things. Um, you know, and those are fairly short. I mean, that was kind of get in. Yeah, get they're out. just short films, and right. We don't have the budget to actually make the feature length of weight, so we basically, with our production company, we just said, you know what, let's. Me and Eddie got together, and we're just kind of like, okay, let's uh, let's write a script that is doable for like a shoestring budget, right? And and Wade Wade has since then evolved into a full length script as well. Yes, absolutely. It's no longer just a short. No. Well, no. and it pretty it pretty much writes itself. Yep. As far as Wade goes, because once you establish the character, and then yeah. the the world surrounding him. I mean, it's pretty much a no-brainer at that point. It, pretty much, you know. It, it, I found that with a lot of just stories in general. It's like, if you have strong characters in it, it's like, it literally it can, like, write itself. Right. You know, like, like Napoleon Dynamite, I mean, doesn't really have much of a story, but it's, the characters are just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, they created the world around it. It's, it's, it's exactly. part of that process that comes through, um, you know, living with it for such a long time and living in it. For mm-hmm. such a long time, um, absolutely. That yeah, it takes a life of its own. Well, and it's you know, especially when you're writing, it's like a, you, it's like, like you're almost kind of consumed within the writing, mm-hmm. as opposed to like sometimes you know when I'm writing, I sometimes I forget about reality. <laughs> Just kind of sure. oh, indeed. You know, it's like oh god, I'm back in, you know you know, waiting tables, <laughs> all of a sudden you're like, oh, I, I was just in this other world. Yeah. Well, I mean, you almost have to, and especially, like you said, if you're if you're working uh, strictly within a, a, a shoestring budget, you have to have that vision oh, before yeah. you even start filming. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we're, we're really focused on pre-production on this, too, because we, uh, like, Eddie here has been a great storyboard artist as well, so we've been storyboarding like all the shots and you know just getting it to where we can be as prepared as possible so when we shoot this in september sure it'll be so you know. so eddie it's, it's oh it's yeah. funny that you brought up uh the shoestring budget uh when we approached the script that's something that we had on mind mm-hmm. while creating this is that we were going to need to shoot this for a small micro budget. Sure. So when we wrote the script, we wrote it specifically to be able to be shot really well on a low budget. For example, we only have four characters. The yep. entire film is set in one location. See, and I find and that I find that fan what? fascinating because 
the the process of that. I've I've tried to uh, a few times to sit down. I mean, I I used to write stories when I was younger. Um, I don't know if I've actually finished a script and polished it, worked on it in the same level as uh, uh, or time that you two have and had a, a complete uh, vision. Um, but the, the, the process of that to me is fascinating um, that you can take all that time, go over it, go over it, go over it. Um, but one of the things that I kind of put in my mind or have read about as far as a screenwriting one-on-one um, is write exactly everything that you want to put into a script and then kind of take out the things yep. that aren't plausible or not doable right. or not within the budget. But yeah. you said, did you go in and say, okay, we just want four people. You know, we kind of have an idea how much all this is going to cost. Did you put limitations on there or did you just throw everything in the kitchen sink to begin with? Uh, we, I, I did throw a little bit more than what we would have been capable of. But then when I went through and, you know, I've probably reread this script a thousand times now, you know, going over it and over it and over it, like yeah. you said, and, uh, and looked at certain scenes and said, you know, we're just not going to be able to do this, or uh, are we going to be able to, like, find a creative way to make this happen, and came up with, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and, and we didn't just take out a scene that would have been exciting. We figured out a different way to do it, to make it just as exciting, gotcha. but, uh, but be able to afford to be able to do it. So we, we, in the end, we're going to have a movie that people are going to watch and be amazed that we did this for so little. And on that, you also asked for support through Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we have. And I'm, you know, I'm more, of, more familiar with Kickstarter, where it's you know, 30 days and then once it's done, it's done. Um, how is Indiegogo different Indiegogo is different because it gives you the option to where if you do not meet your goal in funds, mm-hmm. you uh, get to keep what you've raised. Okay. Uh, if you don't meet your goal, Indiegogo takes a larger chunk than if you do meet your goal. And on the other side of it as well, if you do meet your goal, you go into in-demand, which allows you to keep your campaign running Okay. Beyond the the end date. Yeah, see, and that's what I was wondering because uh, I remember when uh, Haynes was uh, broadcasting the fact that, you know, we're on Indiegogo. Uh, you know, if you can throw us some money, that would be awesome. And so I, I did. And once that window was over, it's like, hey, still, you know, you can still, you know, throw us some cash if you want mm-hmm. to. You know, we, right. we extended our goal, you know, so, I mean, you know, it's whatever. Um, and I like that. Uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is exciting because now that we've, we did reach our goal and uh, we are now in demand and we are in a process of casting some exciting names for this film. And once we do cast those names, the Indiegogo campaign is going to have a new life you know people are going to be excited about this again and we're going to be able to reach new people who are fans of these actors and raise even more money yeah no that's awesome and i i would guess that it does i mean obviously six years down the road someone's not going to be able to throw you 10 bucks 
I mean, uh, they will be able to throw us ten bucks by purchasing it somewhere else. I like your sense of humor, Eddie. Um, <laughs> well, what I mean, we're friends. Yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> but I was saying with 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 Indiegogo, um, you know, you can say, okay, now we're we're done. Yeah. Once once we once we get through pre production and we actually start filming the movie, then we will probably close out this campaign but and, realistically uh, i mean uh, you you can just let it go if you wanted to if uh, someone yeah. like six years okay. down the road wanted to <laughs> be like hey I'll, yeah i'll support this yeah like six years strong yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you could send a note to all the people who who uh contributed and say you know i kind of need some beer money today uh, right uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's residual someone give us some money right <laughs> so, uh, what what's kind of the the time frame now? Like well, you said, you you got the, you got the funding. You're starting to kind of pick the names and the people contacting. Yeah, well, well right now, um, uh, uh, Lance Paul's our producer, and um, he he's working on actually getting some other investors on this as well. We want to try to actually raise up um, our Indiegogo to possibly 10,000 if we can. Gotcha. So uh, right now it's it's a, it's a matter of getting the funding before you start saying okay, we're going to start shooting in October, let's say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so we're just we're trying to I mean, I uh we're trying to do our part and by raising like 10 grand on our own. We set the bar at 5 mm -hmm. just because we wanted to be realistic too, sure. <laughs> you know. Um but um and we want to do that our part there and then we'll get a, a few other investors on this. So, I mean, ta probably talking like a $50,000, $60,000 budget, something right. like that. Which so. is more than I've ever made in one year of my life, but is peanuts compared to, uh, you know, something they're making sure. elsewhere. Absolutely. You know, which Absolutely. is fantastic. And I know just even from seeing what, what Haynes has done up to this point, uh, directing-wise, um, I, you know, I think it's in really good hands. I can't wait to see it. Um, tell me about your lead actor, your clown in this. Um, it's uh, Mike, Mike Hard, um, the front man for the band The God Bullies. Yeah, he the was also in a movie guy. called The Mosquito. Okay. I don't know if you've seen that one, but shot it in, I think they shot the majority of it in Detroit. And uh, Mike was in that. He had one of the best death scenes in it. He had this huge mosquito like laying right on his chest and like his eyeballs popped out and <laughs> started spitting out all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's it's and he played like this I don't know, kind of a backwoodsman kind of uh Michigan militia guy. But not very like he played not, not a very bright guy in it, you know. So just it was it, one of well, one of the better characters just because it was just outrageous, you know. Sure. So, but he he Mike um, has a theater background, and he he also hosts Theater Bazaar in um, Detroit every gotcha. year, which is this big masquerade, you know, uh, crazy party. So I know both of you are from Sheboygan. Mm -hmm. Where are you now? I was in Atlanta, Georgia, for a little bit, and I'm back in Michigan to shoot the movie because we were we were gonna we were kind of going between either shooting it in Atlanta, Georgia, or shooting it in Michigan. And 
Um, in fact, it was Lance Paul's idea to maybe shoot it in Michigan because we might have better access to, you know, more local things. Sure. You know, like just, you know, save a little bit on budget and, you know, be able to realistically do it. Well, I tell you, Atlanta is just like Hollywood part due. Yeah, it I is. Mean, holy smokes. I mean, there is just, I mean, even, uh, what did we see this weekend? We saw uh, uh, Captain America Civil War. Yeah. And of, you know, made of in Georgia. probably shot there, right? Yeah. You know, at the end, they had the little the little peach and, you know, little made in peach Georgia. in Georgia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just everything. You know, it's all of a sudden it started popping up, I think, on, uh, boy, um, Family Feud. Mm-hmm. I think it's the first time that I really noticed it's made in Georgia. I'm like, oh, stop <laughs> it. Get out of my head. But, you know, and then, of course, you know, The Walking Dead. And now it's just, you know, half more than half the things that I watch. That's, you know, it comes up. Most of the things, you know, if it's not really a lighthearted show like The Walking Dead, they're not going to have made in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, doink. After uh, someone like brutally dying, right? Yeah, made in Georgia, la, 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 la. <laughs> killed in Georgia. <laughs> we should have that at the end of Crap Made in Sheboygan. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. We'll just say pure Michigan, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so you know, in in each of your respective off times, I mean, how do you support yourselves if you are willing to? Tell me what you do, you know, because uh, any kind of art lifestyle doesn't support itself. Oh, of course not. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to disagree with that because I've, I've been a professional character artist for the last 20 years. God bless you. Yep. Or I Satan most bless of my you. I'm up in Mackinac City area up in Sheboygan. I'm currently drawing characters at Universal Studios in Orlando, wow. Florida. That's very cool. Yep. Yeah, I work at a winery. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's fun, though. I get I get wine, and <laughs> I bring a bottle of wine home with me and work on my creative studies. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> but, I mean, I, we also do, like, on-the-side productions as well, just do our production company gotcha. and everything, too. So. so it's not really, um, I mean, I guess most of this stuff is, is not, you know, 9 to 5. Is the thing with Universal kind of, is it steady enough? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Universal is... I mean, do you show up at, you know, you know 8 a.m. and then leave at 4? Uh, well, I, I usually go in at 11.30, and then closing time varies greatly throughout the year, anywhere from 6 p.m. to 1, p. 1 a.m. Gotcha. You know, depending on what's happening, that you know, whether it's Christmas or... Uh, any kind of events that are so, going on. So it can be really long hours or really short hours. Yeah, so I, it's almost like working a retail job, but you're having a lot more fun doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, people are giving me money to make fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the can't wait job. to go and make fun of someone today. Yeah. <laughs> now, there, there, there is something that I want to be reminded of, Hayes. Haynes, Haynes, Hayes, Haynes. See, Haynes. I, see I went, yeah, I know. I, for so like the many underwear. Years, no, I, uh, <laughs> it's just because I know, I know Hayes from, from AMREP, so I always, whenever I'm saying or looking at uh, your name, it, you oh. know, I always, <laughs> yeah, in my brain, it kind of, I have to be like, Ugh. it just resorts to that. But <laughs> I remember you once had an interview with Bruce Campbell. I did. 
Was that when you were in, in film school and you were doing something, a paper or something? Remind me of that. So what happened was, okay, so this is what happened. Um, in, I'm pretty close to Petoskey, Michigan, which Bruce Campbell's dad at the time taught English 102. Mm-hmm. And I, I ended up taking his class for one. I mean, it was Bruce Campbell's dad. <laughs> right. You know, and, um, and, and, and I'm like, I was like, this is awesome, blah, 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 you know. And, and, you know, and he would always, he'd always go, oh, hey, Timbo, you know, he'd always see <laughs> me and just, you know, joke with me and everything. And he'd always tell me about Bruce. Oh, Bruce, this is when, when Spider-Man was first coming out and how he was that ring announcer and everything. So, right. And um, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, Bruce is a Spider-Man. They, you know, he's like saying, oh, they had a $100 million budget. He just couldn't believe the budgets that... Versus working in and everything and and um so it kind of kind of came up uh i i don't i i don't think it was i want to say it was it wasn't for his class but it was for another class um i made that connection with him and then um i ended up getting um bruce's uh email mm-hmm. and he was expecting me to ask a bunch of questions and you know, I I asked questions like um, how, <laughs> like um, what kind of how they rigged up the camera to do that. And like I think it's an Evil Dead two, and he crashes into the tree, and then he's in that mud puddle. Right. And then when he wakes up, that camera just spins right up into the tree. Yeah. And, you know, and I I was asking questions like that. So I was trying to ask questions that were you know he doesn't hear all the time. <laughs> well, he you know during that scene he had those uh, the the things in his eyes the. The, yeah. the white stuff. He probably couldn't even see what the hell the camera was doing or what it was mounted on. Yeah, well, I mean, during that one part, but when he wakes up normal, okay, he, that's where he he wakes up. There's a wide lens on there, and then it and then it just t- t- it spins up into the tree. Okay, gotcha. The, the camera. It was a really sweet move. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. You no, know, the camera. He, that's the thing about you know the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. The, the camera is a character. Yeah. Oh, totally. And, and so. And I, I absolutely love that. And uh, but yeah, he was really cool. Um, I, then he ended up coming. Then Bruce ended up coming to Petoskey um, and talking to the community college there because his dad worked there and everything. And um, I ended up having breakfast and dinner with him. Wow! And so we ended up he, me and my me and Andy, my brother there, playing Wade. <laughs> yep. We we. Uh, uh, he, we were sitting around, and he goes, "Hey, come on over here, let's mingle." And that's what he said. He goes, "Let's mingle." <laughs> and so, we're like, well, just talking. We even got on the subject of two-inch twenty-four track machines. Wow, which is strange because he's like, "Yeah, oh, I remember that." Da, 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 you know, this is back in like two thousand and three. Well, what what is what was his experience with two-inch twenty-four tracks? He just. Um, he just knew about it, you know. Oh. I, I, I really can't remember how we got in that conversation because I think I told him that I did some recording engineering. Yeah, and you know, I think I still had my one inch, uh, sixteen track going at the time, and mm-hmm. and he mentioned two inch twenty four track. Huh. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, wow, I just never would have pinpointed you and knowing what that was. <laughs> well, sure. You know? I mean, even just doing, I, I suppose. You know the the one off, uh, you know voiceovers or whatever. Yeah, it is. that's what I mean, I'm thinking because, like, you know, I mean, he was doing stuff in the '80s and everything, and right, you know, and I think a lot of that stuff they probably did on, you know. Yeah, no, they they had to two inch. Yeah, you know, 
so yeah, that's that's I, that's probably what I just I would assume. I think for for him knowing that. So yeah, no, I you know I don't remember most of that story if you told me the whole thing, and I probably not. I don't remember if we were uh, maybe it was, maybe you were just emailing back and forth. I think yeah, we were. Yeah, like when it came down to the interview, yeah, it was just like an email back and forth type thing. Well, I mean, between you and I. Oh yeah, me and you. Um, um, you and you and I. You and me. Me and I. You and you. Oh okay, okay, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, me and you. Yeah, because yeah, I don't. Me, um, I don't remember the whole thing with the twenty-four track. I don't remember like you actually going out with him. I well, going out with him. Oh my gosh, did you put a ring on him? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I know, didn't know you. You spent you know the, the a majority of the day hanging out with him. Yeah. My yep. my recollection was. A well, because I don't call. think you, I don't think I told you about the story about meeting him in person. Not in person, no. Um, I told you the story. I think I did tell you the story, though, like me emailing him back and forth, right? And just so getting maybe, an interview, with right? Him. Maybe it was just the the genesis of it, and it was in the early stages, probably. It, yeah, it was, and um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, yeah, I, God, I think were you, were you on? I'm trying to remember because we were kind of out of contact for a little bit, right? And yeah, no, um, yeah. I don't even remember if you had a MySpace account. No, I mean, come on. <laughs> MySpace? How embarrassing. Like a redheaded stepchild of social media. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, did, I did for a little bit. But, boy, what a disaster. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's another topic and another show. <laughs> no, I, you know, I'd be curious. Well... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to the Bruce Campbell for a little bit because obviously, you know, the, sure. the three of us are obviously fans of his. Oh, work. huge! Um, Ash versus Evil Dead. Yes. Your Love guys' is feeling on that? Loved it. Love it. Right, Eddie. Uh, absolutely. I, I thought it was flawless. I know. I know some people had some issues with the CG, but I didn't at all. Right. Well, same here because the 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 content was so so fresh and inviting. Uh, it was absolutely that, and also with it's probably even heightened even more for the two of you because uh, was a majority of it shot in Michigan. Actually, all that was shot in New Zealand. New Zealand, my ass. Did they have? Yeah. Like, was it a Renaissance <laughs> Pictures thing? So that's where he gets. It's it's probably like a money thing. They probably have all these incentives that they can use and. But it, if you notice, like, every episode has a reference to Michigan in it. Right. Like, yeah, no, that's it, what I was wondering, if it was all shot or any of it was shot in Michigan at all. Yeah, you know, you'd think. I, I was kind of, that was one, I guess maybe if I do have any kind of disappointment with the whole thing, it's not about the content or anything, it's probably the fact that I can't believe they didn't shoot this in Michigan. <laughs> right. Well, and really, yeah. when you look at it, I mean, it it really didn't have to, I suppose. Um, yeah, nothing... and, the, and the thing is, they also you have to understand, like it snows in Michigan. <laughs> sure, they probably didn't want to freeze to death, and you know, it's just you know, I mean, they only they only have a certain window to shoot, right? Because a lot of the stuff is going to probably be outside. Yeah, and so shooting in New Zealand probably has they could probably shoot. Um, a lot longer throughout the year. So. Well, yeah, and like like I said, I mean, uh, you know, Sam Raimi and his his production company, the Renaissance Picture stuff. You know, they already have uh, their footprint for you know many decades, yep. uh, going back to like Xena and stuff. Yeah, I was um, going to say, I think yeah, Xena was all shot over there too. So, yeah. no, it's pretty pretty slick. Xena, We're actually talking about getting 
someone from that to play in Crepitus. Certain somebody. From yeah, Ash vs. Evil Dead? to bring that up. <laughs> 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 okay, Eddie's on the other end just biting his tongue. He's like, speaking of <laughs> Ash vs. <laughs> Evil Dead. <laughs> well, very cool. Some, something to look forward to. And, and keep my fingers crossed on that, too. Yeah, I mean, right. we, we're, we're, we're still in the process of talking to her agent. So... Right. Um, so speaking about you know like the Ash versus Evil Dead or other you know things that are going on in the world, what are maybe some of the uh, films or TV shows that influenced um, either of you? Ooh, uh, I, I I could start if you want. Yeah, please do. Uh, Go ahead. Let me think about it. <laughs> like, I, it's easy for me to say my all-time favorite horror film, and that is The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, oh, uh, it's it's just it's an amazing film. It's well written. It has special effects, practical special effects. You know, I, I'm not the kind of person that uh, continuously poo poo CGI, but because mm-hmm. it, it has its place, and some there's some great films that use it. But the practical special effects in The Thing are still relevant today. Oh yeah, and it just keeps it, each. Uh, viewing of that film just gets better and better. It does, absolutely. Amazingly so, and they, you, you can't really say that about a lot of movies. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just groundbreaking at the time. Like, no and I can that. remember as a kid, like, I, I don't know my exact age, but I was probably maybe five or six, you know, my, I wasn't allowed to watch such films. Right. But mm-hmm. my father would watch them after I would go to bed, and I would sneak out and slowly crawl down the hallway and yep. climb behind his chair and watch these movies. <laughs> yeah. that was one that little, little little baby Eddie Renner going back <laughs> chair. Watching the thing. But Have a little yelp like when it gets scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, The Thing, The Fly, Cronenberg's, uh, yeah. and yep. uh, uh, the, the Alien, the first Alien. I mean, alien 2 is great as well, but all three of those are just some of the finest horror films ever made. I like Terry Gilliam. Yep. Um, I'm a big fan of, I, I guess just as a filmmaker, I'm always a fan of his kind of wacky sense of humor that he kind of puts into his films. Sure. Um, but when it kind of comes down to horror in, jo- in general, I, I, I absolutely love the original Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, I still to this day think it's, I think it's one of the more scarier films. I mean, for... I, I have seen Poltergeist 187 times. <laughs> but who's keeping count, right? <laughs> I could throw that number. But who's out keeping there. count? Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah, but I mean, since I was young. <laughs> yeah, it's in, in anything Jean Pierre Genet. I'm a huge fan of like, you know, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of like City of Lost Children yep. and, and uh, Delicatessen. Uh, like a- Alien uh, Resurrection. You know, there's people that did not like it, but I. But I like Jean-Pierre Genet, and I could, right. it's very French, I should say. It's, it is. I, I appreciated the color palette. Yep. There was something in the browns that kind of um, was kind of made me uneasy in the stomach yep. area. Uh, almost, <laughs> I suppose it, it's, it's, almost, it's almost... The thing about Alien Resurrection, I think a lot of people need to understand, is it might just be one of those ones... Where you just disconnect it completely from the Alien franchise and make it a standalone movie, right? Because you had his direction, which I was, you know, that that was the thing that really drew me in. And you had a Joss Whedon script. Joss Whedon wrote. Yep. I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. I hear more people like bashing Alien Three than 
believe in resurrection. So. Yeah. Well, I Alien love 3. Agent Alien Resurrection. The only thing about it that bugged me is I just hated the final creature in the end. You know, and that seems yeah. to be one of the deciding factors for a lot of people. One of the dividing yeah, factors for a lot of people. I don't allow it to ruin the whole film for me because the film itself is, is, is a lot of fun. Sure. Uh, I just yep. wish that whoever designed that creature would have done something different. Yeah, no, and that was one of the points in the film where uh, I remember in the theater laughing <laughs> at it. <laughs> Everyone's like looking at you like, and I'm, and I'm like, well, what's, is, what is this? Right. <laughs> it kind of took you out of the element. Well, it's it's funny. Um, when I was in film school in San Francisco, um, I was invited. Jean-Pierre Genet was having a, a release party for, uh, God, I'm trying to remember the name, uh, Very Long Engagement. It's a mm-hmm. movie that, called Very Long Engagement. And Audrey Tatu was there um, with oh, him. I love Amelie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I had the luxury of shaking her hand. She had a very tight grip, <laughs> um, and uh, and I had the luxury of meeting Jean-Pierre Genet as well. But during a uh, questions and answer session um, at this theater in San Francisco, I think it was at the Sony Metreon, um, someone brought up Alien Resurrection, and he wasn't very happy with 20th Century Fox because. They just wanted to rush it. They just they wanted to get it done, mm-hmm. and this whole thing, and they weren't even going to let him storyboard it. Wow! And he was, and what he told, what he said to the crowd, he goes, um, "I almost left um, doing that film because um, it's just not having the storyboards and being a, a visual spectacular. It is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't be able to nail that, so." Um, he, I don't think Jean, I don't think Jean even liked it. Right. In that sense. I think he added his style to it and it, it, it you can see it, but I don't think it's something he, the, I think the big reason why he did it is to break into the American movie industry. Right. Yeah. Uh, you really wanted him to, to break into Hollywood. Absolutely. And, and bring his style, uh, to American audiences in much yep. the way that, um, you know, Paul Verhoeven did, uh, and just let him just go. You know, the balls swinging in, into the industry. Yep. Um, but he kind of, he fell into kind of the the Ang Lee territory. Yes. So, he did. but yeah. uh, but hopefully he can you know do his life of pie um, and come back. You know. Yeah, for doing sure. His thing. I know he's working on a couple other. He pops out a movie every like four or five years. Yeah, but aren't they aren't they generally French then? Generally French, um, yeah. I think last one I saw of his was Micmacs, which was pretty good. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to. I, I haven't. I haven't caught up with him, so I'm going to have to uh, see what he's been up to. Absolutely. I, I probably City of Lost Children is still probably my favorite movie he's done. Sure. That yeah, that's that's pretty much flawless. You know, it's so flawless, and so is Delicatessen. Right. It's like those two, like side by side. I just watch them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, but. But yeah, so um, those are some of my influences, anyways. It's, I guess I wouldn't say it's like completely horror, but it's more kind of bizarre. <laughs> oh no, and I, I kept it open in general. I mean, you know, you can pretty much go anywhere with that. Yeah. Uh, me, I'm I'm a big Stanley Kubrick guy. If I was to do anything, yep. I mean, it would be very much Stanley Kubrick. If 
uh, I love Stanley Kubrick. When I had a brief time in film school, uh, my whole thing was I like to put the camera in the room and then just kind of let stuff happen. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, uh, and kind of pick out the more interesting aspects that were happening within the room um, and then just expand on that. So a lot of my takes would either be very long or would develop within the frame yep. over time and just keep doing stuff over and over and over until it got fleshed out. Um, Absolutely. But since then, I've become more of a... Uh, I, I like editing. I always have liked editing. Uh, I can tell you're pretty good at it. it and it's, it's fun because I can control what's in front of me and I can manipulate it. Um, to the point where I could get it perfect. It's part of my little OCD, you know. That's great. Yeah. Those are one of the jobs where having OCD is a good thing. Right. <laughs> well, and, and it's, it's, I'm very task-oriented, so that's everything that that is. It's all just little tasks that have to it, be done. And then once it's complete, it's, it's so satisfying. I would love to see some more of your edits. I mean, I see some of your edits, but I would like to, I don't know, I'm just very curious now. you got to <laughs> yeah. be curious. Well, I, I have to get a little more, you know, projects on that. I have some, some little seeds in my head of just doing stuff, just to, just to keep in practice. I should just, um, like, send you some footage. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> i got a bunch of footage. I can probably give you the edit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> here's a, here's a Twix commercial. And... Uh, <laughs> I want to know where I can find information about the movie, Indiegogo, maybe some web addresses. Uh, you know, let's hear it. Pimp uh, it out, well, yo. You go ahead there, Eddie. Uh, Facebook.com slash Crepitus Film. Crepitus is spelled C-R-E-P-I-T-U-S. You can also go to Indiegogo and simply search Crepitus Film and to find it, or you can go to igg.me slash at slash Crepitus Film. We also have uh, our own uh, company website, uh, www.wixco.com. It's W-H-I-X-C-O.com. And there's information on there, too, just about the company and what other stuff we do. It's awesome to know people who are doing it on the DIY uh, and getting backers to do you know, little independent uh, horror movies mm -hmm. that it's still alive uh, in the day of, you know, uh, quick snap them smartphone, you know, oh, yeah. look at me, I can make a movie on my iPhone and yep. I only have the attention <laughs> span of, you know, 30 seconds or something that you're doing something that is important. It, it's it's yeah. keeping the art alive. It's keeping uh, the whole uh, genre alive. Mm -hmm. um, it's an exciting time to do stuff like this because it's not just regulated to the West Coast anymore. Agreed, agreed. And um, to, it was, it, what's interesting about this, too, if, if I may pay, make another point. Um, go ahead. Uh, I'm kind of a film purist, so like a lot of times if I can shoot on color negative, mm -hmm. I will. Um, and it seems like with... Uh, a lot of these other films I do, if I'm if, if I am shooting it digitally, I'll somehow incorporate film into it somewhere. Gotcha. And um, there are scenes in Crepitus where these where um, both our main characters are actually watching a projector and just seeing all these kind of uh, past shots of 
Crepitus, the clown, and him bringing his victims in and doing all sorts of crazy things to them and and seeing his ice cream truck or candy truck going around and just all this and that, but we're going to shoot that probably on 16 millimeter. Nice. So just to kind of get that that grainy oh, look yeah. without having to do it in post all the time. Or well, like and uh, really with a lot of the post... Uh, you know, film grain stuff. You you can spot it instantly. Oh, yeah, no, there's can. that filter. Yeah, there's that film grain filter. You know, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty it's, obvious. Yeah, and it's like as soon as you see film, you're like, oh, that's film. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You know, so I mean, like in the future, like I, I'm gonna be, I'm really pushing to shoot weight and either Super 16 or even um, IMAX. <laughs> where'd that film's budget go <laughs> hey we got three seconds of film but boy yeah, it's but that three it's the seconds, best man, looking is all you need right <laughs> how amazing it is uh, but but either that or um two per 35 yeah i don't know just depends on what we can see what kind of budget we can work with here and i would i would say it wasn't too long ago that um it, it was the same thing with audio tape. People were getting very nervous that uh, the companies that produced um, either film, you know, like Kodak and yeah, 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 um, were not going to do it anymore. But it, it's but you know what's so funny about that? It's like history repeats itself, right? And like now, it's like now it isn't Quantity bringing back another tape division? Well, they they did years ago. I haven't been in the loop in quite a while. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they continued on. They picked up where Ampex pretty much said we don't want to make tape anymore, um, and they and I think Quantigy took over. Yeah, Quantigy stopped doing it because they okay. said oh, it was the last of the tape, and this is like in two thousand and eight. Okay. And then they started talking about doing tape again because it started getting real popular. Right. And now, now you have a company out, was it ATR doing it now? Okay. Out of Pennsylvania. And then you have um, the RMS, I think it is, that's doing it out of the Netherlands. So there's a couple different places. There's a couple it's different places. It's the same places thing. Uh, you know, there's a documentary on, uh, now that I think of it, of uh, the Polaroid, mm-hmm. of the instant cameras. And uh, it's a great documentary where they were addressing the fact when they said, we're not making the instant film anymore. And, you know, the, the, the people who were really into their whole livelihood uh, and artistry revolved around the instant camera. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, rallied and were so passionate about it, there were individuals who brought it back. And yep. basically adopted the formula, got the warehouse, started very small, and rebuilt the industry. You're going to, that's what you're going to find, especially, like, I even tell people, too, it's like, I don't want Kodak to go anywhere. In fact, they, from my understanding, they actually made a profit this year. Right, that's what I heard. And, um, well, between, the new Star Wars was shot completely on film. Right. And, you know, you have a lot of these big Hollywood movies still being shot on 35, and even... 65 millimeter mm-hmm. and what the thing about it is i think regardless you are always going to have a film lab you're always going to have someone making film 
I know even if you go overseas, there are companies that are making film also. So it's there's other companies I can't really name think of the names off the top of my head yet, but right. but um, they're like foreign companies, and um, if Kodak went under, I don't really think you'd see a major stop in film. I just think that people are going to find other ways to shoot on it. Right. You know. So. Yeah, it's not it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's just too. It's kind of like it's kind of like um, it's all that digital versus analog thing. You know, uh, uh, digital becomes the more easy way of doing things. It's oh, it's so easy. You know, it's 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 instant gratification. It's, right. Over time, it gets kind of boring. It's like it's like it's almost like the work ethic kind of disappears. Sure. And then so you feel like you want to hold film or, say, uh, uh, analog reel in your hand. You want to be able to have something tangible to touch yeah. as opposed to something going into a hard drive. Well, it's the same thing as, you know, you know LPs. Yeah. And there's even still, I, I have a couple groups on, uh, on Facebook that I belong to that uh-huh. are very uh, adamant about uh, preserving or bringing back laser discs. They are actually a better quality than DVDs were. Right. So it's, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a it's a fun thing, even if it is for a little nostalgia. You know, it's like it's still fun. You know. Right. So, but yeah, it's interesting. It's I just I figure as an artist, you know, you stick to a medium that you like, you know, and yeah, and just how you know every sperm is sacred. It's like every frame is sacred. It is. It really is. I mean, you really have to budget out. You know how many feet of film is it going to you know take to do this? That's what. That's yep. why I really appreciate that. Uh, you put a lot of time and, and effort into getting the you know, the script solid, get the uh, yep. the vision solid. Yep. It's already you know, and you as an artist. I mean, I know that you can just do you know stick drawings for uh, the. Oh, why did it just um, storyboards it's for the storyboards? Yeah, uh, but to have a little with with the with the artist background, uh, you can give a lot of uh, motion to that. Well, yeah. Well, even Eddie, you know, he adds. You know, he'll put put them in. Um, he'll put like shading and co- you know, in sometimes sure. color, depending. You know, depending. I think how important the scene is. Right. You know, now, I don't know, Eddie. You can elaborate on that a little bit, but it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really depends. Like some scenes, when you're just doing overs, uh, it's really not necessarily to be too detailed. You know, and yeah. a lot of uh, scenes can be copy and pasted. But you know, when a scene is important and what's happening, you can add a lot more shading and color and or you know lighting right to the scene. Yeah, because I, I remember not too long ago, I think James Gunn was posting some of the storyboards that he was sketching out and he's like oh, i'm not an artist and they were literally just you know the the ball with the stick body <laughs> right i was like you can't even tell you he's like oh here's a little sneak preview of guardians of the galaxy <laughs> 2 like, oh my gosh if you flip through it it'll be animated <laughs> <laughs> and and the characters that i throw into the scenes uh being that i've drawn mostly characters for a living the last 20 years tend to have like bigger heads oh. than their bodies and <laughs> it's kind of hard not to caricature them. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. It's like we have the unique storyboards <laughs> because of that. Oh, yeah. So that's an Eddie Runner storyboard right there. All right. 
<laughs> uh, so do you, so Eddie, do you do it digitally or do you still do it on paper? Or is I, I it a do mixture? It digitally. digitally? Yep. Yep. I use uh I got a Cintiq at home and or I currently use the Apple iPad Pro with Apple Pencil. Oh, very cool. How do you like that? Which they better give us, you know, a good portion of their money for mentioning that on your <laughs> show. Oh yeah, man, I wish. I, I you know, I keep mentioning the you know, these uh uh the the iced coffee that I get from Starbucks and I still haven't received my my case of iced coffee at the door yet. So at least have like one of those Starbucks employees come over and just drop an iced coffee to you. Oh yeah, no, that would be that'd be great. They can just like serve it right through the window right here. It's like here, thank you. All right, good. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't think uh, I think probably the the one company that wouldn't even give you the time of day would be would be Apple for uh, endorsements. I think yeah, it was. I'm sure, right. I think it was. <laughs> I am. I am Legend. Um, the one with Will Smith. Uh-huh. I, that's. I was working. Well, I was working at Apple at that time, and there was um, a lot of the critics were saying stuff like, "Oh, well." Apple obviously threw them money because every time you turned around, you know, there was an Apple monitor or mm-hmm. a keyboard or whatever, and uh, that's not true. Um, Apple doesn't um, endorse movies or product place things in movies sure. ever. It's just wow. a, the choice stylistically of the of the production design or, you know, the director. Sure. And that's why that's it's probably one of those things where they know, like, like in some movies, you see it to where, you know, when you see like a can of Coke, right? They won't actually have a can of Coke. It's, mm-hmm. it's something like a off-brand or something, because they can't, you know, they have a thing where they just can't put some of that in their movies. But it's funny with like Apple. I don't. Apple doesn't. I don't think cares if you put it in the movie. They're right. just not. They're, they're just not going to give any money for it. Right. Yeah. Because it's you know, free advertising for them. It is. So they're just right. like, hey. How many how many feature films have you seen where they have like a Apple laptop? You know? Right. Yeah, all the time. All the time. You don't see and you don't see a Windows thing. <laughs> Very rarely, not unless they're actually not unless they're endorsing it. I mean, then yeah. you'll then you'll be watching the credits and you'll see you know the big Microsoft logo at the very end of the film. Yeah, or something, right? Yeah, but it's it's rare though. You always see Apple products. Yeah. Now, uh, Laszlo, you edit on a you yeah you edit on an Apple. I, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. What, do you, what kind of program do you use? Do you use like a uh, Premiere? Or? Uh, well, I use Final Cut Pro X. How do you like Final Cut X? I was. I initially started. Well, I have used Premiere. I think that was one of the first programs that I used. Mm-hmm. Boy, that was back in 98, 99. Wow. Uh, on my. Oh, gosh. I don't even remember which computer that was, like a G3 or something. Nice. Um, <laughs> G three. There's and there really wasn't much that you could do with it. I mean, you were lucky to get, uh, you know, a five minute video done, sure, and then yeah, it was yeah, the like size of a, a feature on it. Or yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was the size of a postage stamp by the time you were done. Yeah, <laughs> I think I tried to bring up those files again on my current computer, and I mean the the pixelation on it was so terrible. You, I really. Oh yeah, for sure. It wasn't much bigger than you know an icon that's on your desktop. I mean, that's the best resolution <laughs> you could get out of it. Uh, oh man. Then, when I started working uh, at Apple, there were certain perks that you got with the software. 
now and again. Um, right. So through the employee program, you could get copies of uh, kind of like student copies. So when the next version came out, you weren't eligible for it unless you still worked for sure. Apple. So I had the the previous uh, version of Final Cut. Um, I don't remember. I, it might have been seven. Yeah, because seven had the whole different. It was like it they was, went complete different design after right. seven. And because seven was more kind of copying the the Avid systems and. Mm-hmm. Um, when they switched over to where it turned into uh, what it is now was basically iMovie. Yeah. that's. I heard it was like a more pro version of iMovie or something, right? It is. Uh, but there are, and there's, you know, there was a learning curve to it, but now I actually prefer it. Uh, nice. Because it, it, once you kind of know how to manipulate your template... Uh-huh. you can get it to work to your advantage. Nice. Hey, I was just curious about it. I use uh, Avid Media Composer. Okay. For, you know, we'll be editing on Avid Media Composer for uh, Crepitus as well. But yeah. It's, uh, and that's like a whole different ball game. <laughs> right, it is. Avid's like a whole other bear. Right. <laughs> and uh, we'll be doing the sound design on Pro Tools as well. So, okay. Yeah. But... It's just, uh, yeah, I'm always just curious about what other people use. Yeah. And how's, how, how's working in audio in uh, Final Cut X? A little frustrating, just because okay. I know what can be done with the audio. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times I will have to maybe manipulate it if I have to do a lot of things to it okay. uh, within uh, Logic. I've, okay. I've turned to. Lo- I've just kept everything within the Apple realm. Oh, I can't blame you, really. Um, you know, given up on all the other uh, third-party programs that I used sure. to have, and just accepted the learning curve and 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 um, kept it within the family, so to say. Yeah, I'm always. I'm just always curious about other programs and stuff. So. Like... And the 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 gap on those programs, they they all pretty much work the same. So I mean, right. I've I've worked with Pro Tools and Nuendo and Cubase and. Uh, name it. I've I probably touched it at some point, and sure. a lot of the interface interfaces are pretty much the same now. Yeah, because I think that there's that standard where it needs to be kind right. of the same. Right. You, you can't do something completely different because no, um, no one will buy it. No one will buy it. You know, <laughs> it's either that or if they do get into it, then they they're they're not going to touch anything else. Yep. And then if it fails, they're like, "Well, I'm screwed." Well, yeah. No, it was it was a pleasure talking to you too. Oh, always yeah, a pleasure. Um, I'm glad that you could take the time, that we could all take the time uh, yeah. during this little mini vacation that I have uh, to talk <laughs> about Crepitus. This is great. I'd, it's been years, so it's nice. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, and that, and that too, to talk talk with Haynes. Um, do you have any last words? I mean, we kind of did a wrap-up with the um, all the social media stuff. Uh, I think... Yeah, go out and check out Crepitus. <laughs> it'll um, we'll probably end up uh, it, it'll probably be released by the end of the year after it's all said and done in post production and everything. So just look for it and. Well, that's a that's a pretty good turnaround. Yeah, I mean, it just depends. We kind of lost our CG guy, so we're we're going between CG guys right now. Gotcha. So. Right. But, so uh, if the listeners out there are. Great at CG. 
<laughs> Give us a call. <laughs> or shoot us a message. <laughs> yeah. So, so when when you're looking for a, a, a CG person, is is the industry now more of there's not necessarily has to be a central location? Can you do stuff remotely? Um, like we can do stuff remotely. Um, a lot of times, like I'd even be willing to come to who's ever who's ever coming for or who, whoever's house it is or right. or office it is to do CG. I mean, I'd be willing to come there and help kind of direct or, or at least put it in a direction. Right. You know, but would, to, I mean, would you do something where it's uh, uh and I think it, it might have been like a behind the scenes of, I think the 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 George Lucas like Phantom Menace behind the sure. scenes something, um, or maybe it was Attack of the Clones. But I remember that most of his uh, conferencing with people was done kind of in a rudimentary Skype type of way. Yeah, yeah, just kind of like. Yeah, just kind of talking through Skype or something, and and I think that'd be one way of doing it too. Right. Uh, because I mean, I mean, initially, I mean, at least you know before you started getting you know final product or something, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll start we'll start it off that way for sure, but like once you start getting towards the end of it and yeah. polishing it up, right? I may I may be I may show up in person. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Ex- exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's yep. it's 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 your thing. You're. You want to make sure that it's right. Well, yeah, I just want it to match with everything else. Like, exactly. you know, I want I want to make sure my you know my DP is happy with right. with you know the images and um, making sure it follows the same look as what we've already shot. Right. So, you know, just and I'm sure it's just little tweaks here and there. So, but. well, very cool. Well, yeah, I'll put the I'll put the word out too. I I know a few people, so awesome. Um, I Fantastic. Can you know, knock on well, some doors there. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. I, I very much appreciate it, yes. Yeah, Thank well, you. Uh, you are welcome. Thank you. Uh, this has been Cinema Fantastico, episode number three. Uh, this will be a continuing whatever's. This is kind of my whatever podcast outside of Cult Following, which is my normal podcast gig with uh, Victor Marino and Kirby Nelson. But hey, you know, it's this time it's about me. Uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, also Cult Classics is something that is a, a monthly repertoire um, movie series uh, showings, viewings, screenings that we do. Uh, next up, I think, is on the 21st of... This month, May, uh, we are showing Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. Uh, so make sure you check out cultclassicsaz.com. Find us on Twitter and all those stuff and Facebook and whatever if you want to get tickets. Again, thanks, boys. Thank uh, you. And uh, have a good one. Everyone have a good one. And suck it. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs>